Welcome to another edition of the Sunday Forum right here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is your host, Walter L. Smith II, along with the member of the Fourth Estate Group. How you doing, Miko? Hi. How you doing this morning? You good? Yeah, I'm okay. How are you? All right. You got, Miko. What? We got to talk about this this morale thing. Okay. What? Are, are we going to, can we get you to perk up here? No. <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> Not today. Not today. That's all right. I'm sorry. I'm just, yeah, I'm tired. Oh. Yeah, no, the way you got. The way you got. For those of you who don't know, Miko is a healthcare worker and um, she spends long hours, long hours during the week and some weekends when she's not here um, doing, doing healthcare work. Yeah. So, yeah, so she. She deserves that. She deserves that to be able to say, I am tired. I'm tired. <laughs> so, yes. Mobili's not here. No. Right? Mm-mm. He skipped out on us this weekend. Yeah. All right. I'm going to get him. <laughs> okay. I'll get him. We're going we're gonna to have a conversation. If you're listening, Mobili, you know what's up, right? <laughs> I'm going to give you a look at that little head of yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, we... we we are very excited about today's show. Um, we 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 have in studio with us um, uh, Star Brookings, who is running for judge, and, uh, and and we are going to have a discussion with her about a lot of the things that are going on in our community uh, today. 
that need to be addressed, that seriously need to be addressed. And um, <clears throat> do we have any, any other news? Mm-hmm. Have you been watching what's going on in India? Yeah, the um, they got another president. The new, the right, yeah. right, the, the female pre- new president. Yeah, but then the, there was a second one that they just uh, got, didn't they? That the other day, the male, right? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna let's let's research that one. <laughs> okay. Let's research that one. We ain't gonna act like that on, on the show today. But we but no, there is there was some news that came out. Uh-huh. Um, I think that um, one this week was a terrible week, absolutely terrible week. Uh, Andrew Warren, folks, and I, I don't I don't mind missing words. I remember some time back when Andrew Warren was running for office, mm-hmm. and I had both Andrew and Mark Ober in the studio here mm-hmm. for debate, yeah. for discussion. Mm-hmm. And they went at it. They went at it. Mark, I don't forget, Mark Ober brought in a can, a can of cocaine. <laughs> no, not, not cocaine, the drug itself, but a can of cocaine, the drink that was out. And, and he was saying that, he was right, he was right. <laughs> But he was saying that, you know, you have these types of advertisements that go on in our community that are, uh, that were bad bad advertisements, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's desensitized our kids to these types of behavior. But anyway, nevertheless, uh, you know, Andrew won. And rightfully so. He's been, um, he's been a really, really great state attorney. Uh, he has worked very hard to reduced the amount of black youth uh, and black people in general in this prison system, right? Mm-hmm. This whole school-to-prison pipeline thing, He's uh, I've seen him, it's my opinion, that he has worked hard to, uh, and with people, with our people, to make certain that that uh, changed, mm-hmm. right? Um, but for some reason, since, well, since, the, since Roe versus Wade happened, I think everybody saw the writing on the wall in terms of the behavior of the of the governor and the way that he's been trying to make this a um gosh, how would you call it? Oh, I know, a dictatorship. Yeah. And so in doing that, what what he's done is um Roe versus Wade um was was overturned. And so to ensure that he is able to get full cooperation with Following the overturning of Roe versus Wade, what he does is he targets Andrew Warren. Yeah. Andrew Warren ends up as this week was suspended. Um, I believe it, it was it's, it's a ridiculous suspension. Yeah, it was absolutely disgusting. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. I think what he's doing is uh, is he's showing his uh, uh, the governor's showing his teeth. For you know political reasons, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, and um, and that Andrew, you know, was is collateral damage for him, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just honestly I, I think it was just a bad bad move, a terrible move. Um, what happens from here? We'll be monitoring it like everybody else will be monitoring it. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to get Andrew reinstated and in the seat as the state attorney. But I, I think that that was dirty, dirty ball that was being played. Uh, it was hypocritical on the on the governor's part. And matter of fact, I think uh, it was Fentress, yeah, Fentress Driscoll actually referred to it as being hypocritical as well. Uh, you're talking about a man who actually tried to establish basically a, a Gestapo state uh, a Gestapo type uh, uh, militia that would do his every bidding, mm-hmm. you know, in the state of Florida. Who does that? Remember, we talked about that here on the show. Yeah. And, and I, I just, honest to goodness, that is, uh, there's something wrong with him. There's something seriously wrong with him. And anybody that agrees with that type of behavior or thinks that that kind of thing is okay to do, there's something wrong with him. There's something seriously wrong with him. That is troglodytic uh, behavior. I, I just, you know, 
how do you do that? How do you, how do you, it, it would set the state back, what, 60 years, maybe more? Mm-hmm. See, I mean, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But, um, you know, Andrew, just let, let you know, I personally, I'm, I'm letting you know, I'm rooting for you, man. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get this thing um, overturned and, and get you back in. Yes. Okay? So well, did you, just hang tight, brother. Hang oh, tight. I'm sure you heard about Kansas. They um, actually, um, they're, they have <clears throat> made a decision that you don't, that, that it's not banned there to get an abortion. So right. that, that also happened this week, which was great. So only right. one state so far, hopefully... Uh, more states will follow suit. Yes, right? hopefully. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. see what happens. Let's see what happens, folks. Um, okay, so let's let's uh, let's talk about this guest that we have in the studio. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks she's hot stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we gonna see. <laughs> They all think they're hot stuff when they come in. And then when they leave, they be crying. Can't uh... <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> We're not gonna hate you too badly, stuff. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. good. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. Doing well. Doing well. Um, We're glad to have you in studio with us today, so that we can uh, get to know people. Get to know more about you. Definitely. Okay? So uh, let's start that out. Ready? Okay. All right. All right. So tell me, who is Star? Brookings, Lynette Star Brookings. So I'm a fourth generation Tampa native. Yes, the bottom. Uh, the bottom. The bottom, baby. <laughs> East Ebor. Yes, yes. Um, I graduated from Jefferson High School. Mm-hmm. My parents both graduated from Chamberlain High School. My grandma graduated from Middleton High School, and uh, my great grandma. I tell her story a lot. She was actually illiterate. And I tell that story just to so people can know how important, how impactful education can be. I remember she used to clean an attorney's office, and she was always so in awe by this man. And she just respected him so much. And I think that may have been one of the earliest moments, just seeing the admiration that my great-grandma had for this attorney whenever I knew that I wanted to get involved in the law and make a difference. So, you know, I used to watch Matlock with my great-grandma. Who didn't watch Matlock with their grandma, right? (laughs) I said I didn't watch Matlock with my grandma. (laughs) Go on, Matlock! She said, go on, get him, Matlock, get him! Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Because no, I'm saying. Know. No, I'm saying. I did too with my parents. I watched Matlock. Mm-hmm. Good show. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. I don't, I don't so. think my um, I, honestly for a long time. I don't even think my grandmother knew his real name, or or she forgot it. You know, she always called him by the show. Get Matlock. <laughs> what class did you graduate from, at Jefferson? Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. I, I went no, to Jefferson. Yeah, yeah what well, year? Yeah. 2004. So oh, okay. I went, I, I was actually originally supposed to go to Riverview. So I went there my mm-hmm. first year, my freshman year. And then they opened up the Law and Criminal Justice Magnet Academy. And so I applied for the Magnet, magnet Program. I got in. Mm-hmm. And so I went there. Okay. Um, my parent, my mother went to Jefferson. She was, uh, I think she graduated in 76, maybe. Your mom's going to beat you behind time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why you throw it there. Well, you no, I'm just, I'm just, your go. So I'm when you just, walk in the door, she's not going to talk to you. <laughs> and you're going to walk past her, she's going to bust no, you in the back of your she's head. She's asleep, but yeah, she graduated <laughs> from there. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, Jeffer- <laughs> Jefferson's a great school, a great school. So it's funny, I went there for the Law and Criminal Justice Magnet Academy, mm-hmm. and we had mock trial. So we'd actually go to the courthouse, and local attorneys and judges would sit there, and they'd judge us. Mm-hmm on how we performed in the courtroom. We were both prosecution and defense. Mm-hmm. So what's funny is the first time we got that program up and started was mm-hmm. my final year at Jefferson. And the number one team, the team to beat, was Riverview. So the school that I transferred first, from. Wow. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Wow. Did y'all beat yeah. No, we got in third place. I, I mean, I won best prosecution and best defense. That's what I'm talking about. That's but, what I'm you know, it was our first year doing it, too. So we had to get That's out the there. It's the makings of a judge right there. It's the makings of a judge right there, boy. You know, you can't say, I can say that. You can't say that. I can't say a lot of things. It ain't say a lot of things. We, listen, we are, we are not... We are not uh, uh, strangers to this process. So, uh, I, I'm, you know, your background uh, there, beginning there, you're, you're starting out, uh, is awesome. That, that is outstanding. Um, there are very few of uh, our children uh, who have that opportunity or take that opportunity to become a part of, uh, of, of such a, a club, an organization as that. Right? right, so you really had you took advantage of it. So good job, great Thank job. Thank you. Um, now tell us more. Tell us more about about uh, about you and um, how did like, I gotta know how did Matlock how did Matlock really affect you? Like, yeah. I thought that <laughs> I could do it better, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that I could be better. Right. Um, and so it really encouraged me to, and I also read a lot, right? So what we saw on TV didn't necessarily look like me. Right. But I also read a lot of books. So when you're reading, you can envision people to look however you want to. So right. I never saw it as a barrier when all of the lawyers and judges on TV didn't look like me. Right. But I know that that was something, you know, my family was very supportive of me and they always instilled in me that with education, I can do anything. So I, I believe them and I took that for what it was and I worked very hard and I pushed myself. You know, I graduated from Jefferson as valedictorian over the entire law and criminal justice magnet academy. Wow. Salutatorian of all of the magnet academies. I think there are six to eight at that time. And I went on to University of Tampa, pushed myself even harder, graduated magna cum laude with a 3.89 GPA in three years. Then I went up to George Washington Law School in D.C., which is a top 25 law school, and I graduated as a presidential merit scholar. And I remember when I first got accepted, because every law school I applied to, I was getting accepted into. Right. And I was working at a large law firm here in Tampa because I took a gap year. I was a little tired, so I took a year off in between college and law school, um, and I worked at a law firm. And when the news started going around, I had, a, I had an amazing mentor who's actually a federal magistrate judge right now. So she was telling everybody, Star's been accepted into every law school she's applied to. She just got accepted into GW. And I was in a break room, and um, someone came up to me, and they're like, must be nice being a black female to get accepted into such a great school. And so, you know, I come from an educational background. My mom's a retired teacher, so I took the time to educate her. And I was like, yeah, I actually got a presidential merit scholarship to attend. You're so trying to be funny? You're trying to, yeah. yeah. Just, to, just to knock that out. That's Mom, not what it was about. Mama's here in the studio. She, she ready to fight right now just from the store. <laughs> she ready to join. <laughs> no, really, that, that, is, that is a tremendous story. And yeah, you were going to face those type of obstacles. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. How many, how many times have you run for for judge? This is my second time this running. Your second time, okay. Um, and let me tell you, we have a myriad of issues in the community that need to be addressed. Okay, um, one of them has to do with violence. I mean, the, the violence that we that we've seen in our communities has been. Crazy, right? Uh, most of it we never hear about, right. right? Unless you're actually immersed in the community or of the community, then you don't really hear about the type of violence that's happened. Um, or in violence now, of course, takes different forms. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. So, so violence could be uh, everything from actual physical beating somebody, right, killing somebody. Or violence can be how people are treated, right? right. Um, we have violence in the in the form of slumlords, like we've seen recently with Silver Oaks and things of that nature. So, I think you're able to to speak to Silver Oaks, correct? Well, the thing, 
So I can speak about what I've done so far, right? And mm -hmm. I think it's important to look at people who have actually been entrenched in the community. Mm -hmm. I tell people I've been boots on the ground in this community for over two decades, but I've also been up in the ivory towers, right? Serving on these boards to try to move the needle that way. Right. So I know when Silver Oaks first happened, mom and I were very active in getting things out there for the residents in need. And I think that's important, right? And that's something that it shows who you are. It shows who you are as a person. That's, this is our community. Right. We grew up in this area. So we want to make sure that everybody's taken care of. So I helped a lot with that process. Um, was always there whenever Miss Connie Burton or Alicia Oates mm -hmm. reached out to me. You know, what do you need? I don't. And I tell everybody, you know, I'm a single mom, so I can't just write a big check all of the time. Right. But I can give of my time. Right. So I always go and give, give of my time, even, you know, and I've done that for as long as I can remember. That's just the kind of person that I am. Right. And I think about the, the other types of violence that we're seeing in the community, people are so far removed from it, especially if they haven't been involved mm. in it, if they haven't had a family member mm. that's been violently taken away from them. Um, like my cousin, my first cousin, she was murdered. When was that, two years ago? a year and a half ago um, by trying to leave, you know, a domestic violence situation. Wow. And so unless you've been through that, you don't get it. Right. And it, it strikes you a little bit differently. So I think that that's important and it's important to stay in touch with our community and know what resources are out there and help our kids. Right. And that's one of the biggest things that I do is I go and I speak life into kids. And a lot of it, even recently, Whenever I went to um, the idea school, maybe within the past six months, the first question I asked them, what does a lawyer look like? What does a judge look like? Do they look like you? They all said no. Mm. No. A Lawyers. Malcolm X moment, right? Wow. For those of you who don't know what I mean by the Malcolm X moment, if you read the autobiography of Malcolm X or if you watch the movie, uh, there's a, a, a part there where Malcolm is, um, young Malcolm Little in, is in uh, middle school and he's being, he's been the president of the class and everything, top grades and everything, but then he's told by his white teacher that, uh, that being a lawyer was not, uh, his, his wanting to be a lawyer was not a practical idea, right? Yeah. And that he couldn't be a lawyer, so he had to think of something that was practical. Um, and he was good with his hands, so why don't you take up carpentry like all the other mm, black folks, right? So that was a very good move, very good move. And the response, the response is one that that, um, that uh, is very telling, right. extremely telling. Um, how do we change that mindset? We need to get more people out there. We need to get more people on the bench that look like us, that are where we're from that have been working in this community, because until we change that, we're not gonna be able to change the underlying defects in the system. Yeah. I've been through things as a black woman that my other opponents haven't been through. They have no idea. And so that's something critical that you can bring to the bench. There was an article several years ago, I wanna say six years ago, um, done by the Herald Tribune about bias on the bench. right? And their big solution was, we need more black and brown people serving as judges. Right. So, you know, I think it's really important that we get out there and we do all that we can. I know um, a lot of times people don't really know what to look for in judges. And I always tell them, talk to us. Because I think if you talk to us and if you watch us, watch the way that we move in different spaces, mm -hmm. your heart will tell you the right thing to do. Your heart will tell you the right person to vote for. And then not just vote for that person, but spread the word. Send emails out to your friends, your families. Make a plan. Say, hey, we're all going to go vote. Like me and my niece, this is the first election that she can vote in um, in Hillsborough County. Right. right? She's 19. So I'm going out to out where she lives, out in near Sun City Center, so that we can vote together. Right. So just make it a family event and just make people feel supported so that they'll go and do it because we always have so many excuses. Right. But we can't keep leading with excuses anymore. We have to get out there and take action and spread the word 
and say, hey, there's a qualified, well-qualified black woman who's running for judge. She's gotten all of these great endorsements. I think you should consider her. So you're not telling anybody how to vote, but you're giving them the information because so many people don't go out and look for that information. Right, right. Um, Tell me times. That's a big endorsement. That's a very big endorsement. Um, how did how it feel when they came in? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I was filled with gratitude. I dropped to my knees and just thanked God. I bet. And um, I immediately called my mom, called my dad, and just let them know that I got the endorsement. So it felt good, especially since I had been there before and I had interviewed with them before back when the first time I ran. Right. And I didn't get the endorsement. Right. And even during that interview process, they talked a lot about how I've grown and how I've flourished and how I didn't just lose an election and go and hide away. Right. But instead, I got more active, more engaged, more vocal. Right. Because so, I've always been engaged. Right. But I was always the person silently moving in the back, making sure that everything takes place. So mm-hmm. they're like, you need to be in the front. You need to be more vocal, and so that's what I did. And I think it's led to a lot of support, a lot of support. And they really looked at the fact that I have a lot of great experiences, so civil, criminal, domestic violence, stalking, injunctions, a lot of the things that a county court judge would preside over, they think that I'd be the best fit for that, especially Mm -hmm. since I'm the only one who's been a hearing officer as well. So. The hearing officer, we preside over county ordinances. And people come in without attorneys, and they want us to handle that decision for them. Arbitration? It's it's more so like a regular hearing, like if you were to go to small claims court for an issue. Then the judge would make the decision. So, you know, I think that along with my community involvement, I'm not someone who just came out. I think that that's... That's, that was really important, and that was their driving force. So that's a lot of what they said. And I know whenever I first announced, a lot of the community and former elected officials and elected officials came out and supported me, um, like our public defender, Julianne Holt, who's been in that position for a very long time, won a lot of accolades related to good government and all of the great work she's done. I was honored to get, she was one of my first endorsements. That's awesome. That's a good one. That's a very good one. I have a question. So what what made you decide to keep going and pursuing law? Because I'm sure you know, being black, we we struggle with trying to get into a particular field that we want to get into. It is much harder for us than it is for any other race. So what would you say to anyone out there that is trying to follow in that on that path or any career path to, to keep going? What, what would you say? I would tell them that they can do it. Mm-hmm. There's, of course, going to be trials and tribulations, but they are the expert of themselves. So they need not listen mm-hmm. to all of these other people yeah. who have their opinions. They need to eat no for breakfast, eat fear for breakfast, because that's what you're going to be served with. You're going to be served with these comments that, you know, you're only here because of affirmative action or must be nice being a black female. That's something you're going to deal with for your entire life, your entire career. Mm -hmm. So why not deal with it while you're doing something that you love? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a major part of it. I mean, I I know I, I can relate to that because as an engineer, and then, you know, black engineers, right? So it's like, especially in the field of environmental engineering, nobody expects to see you, nobody even expects to see you coming, right? And so you're there and then, well, you're just kind of there. You got you to gotta make noise. Yeah. You got to make noise so that people will understand um, that you stand for something, right? Right. So um, I suspect you're going to make some noise. Yeah, I suspect I suspect you're gonna make some noise. I tell you what, if you want to call in, plus we 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 invite you to call in, please eight one three two three nine nine six six three eight one three two three nine nine six six three right here on the Sunday form. Our guest today is uh, Lynette Star Brookins. Lynette Star Brookins, who is a candidate for judge here in Hillsborough County. Now, this county court judge. 
Tell me, tell me what that means. What, what jurisdiction do you have? So county court judge is in a civil dispute below $30,000. So small claims court, landlord tenant issues. If somebody's trying to evict mm-hmm. someone, mm-hmm. traffic issues. If you get a traffic citation and you want to fight it. Um, criminal misdemeanor issues, so minor criminal offenses, domestic violence and stalking injunctions. That's another aspect of it. So civil, criminal, it can really run the gambit. It's a lot, but the great thing about my experience is that I've done a little bit of all of those things, so I just won't be coming in on level zero. I'll at least know something um, to be able to move these cases because we can't keep having the this big backlog we have to get it moving and i can guarantee the citizens of hillsborough county that i'm an i'm a hard worker people have described my work ethic as intense so i'm gonna show up every day prepared it doesn't matter what's going on in my life it's about the citizens and it's about this community and them getting justice their day in court as soon as possible in front of an arbiter who's ready to make those decisions and who's willing to make the right decisions. It, you know, that's something that uh, that's very important. Um, you have these folks that, that get locked up and they have no real charges per se, they, they, and they're waiting for a court date. That's not good. And a lot of times they get lost and say, can you speak to that at all? So there are statutes in place when, as to when you have to be heard before a judge. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you go, it's sort of like an assembly line and everything goes by pretty quickly when you're in there. But there's so many cases that are backlogged. Like I'm in the civil practice right now. Right. And the Florida Supreme Court within the past year, they released a case management plan basically saying you need to try these cases within a year and a half. And a lot of the cases have just been languishing. So a lot of my clients, you know, they'll call me and they'll say, well, I got in this accident six years ago. Why are we still here? Or this happened eight years ago. Why are we still here? Right. So in my role currently, I work diligently to make sure that it's gone as soon as possible. So sometimes you have to be extremely active as an attorney and making sure that yeah, you know, you may have sued my client, but we need to make sure that the ball is rolling so that we can get this finalized. Mm -hmm. People deserve finality. And we shouldn't just be sitting here languishing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for people to understand that. Um, And it reminds me of, I've had the opportunity to practice both in state and federal court. And those federal judges, they move those cases along. But they're also well-prepared and they know what they're doing. So I think that that mix of experience that I have in state and federal courts is going to serve me very well on the bench to get through all of that copious information and to make sure that people have that hearing time when they need to get in and people are able to be heard and not just be languishing. Everything I could do possibly to move. That justice is, I mean... That's a part of justice in, in my mind is that is, is, it is very unjust for people to be sitting there in jail waiting for a court date that comes like Lord knows when, right? And it's like, I could tell you a billion people that I know that are in that situation, right? And I think back to an unfortunate, very unfortunate, it's like one of the first shows that I did and had to do with some, a case in New York, Khalif Browder. And I think we, I think many of us who, are, who know anything about um, these cases like this uh, felt their heart went out to this young man and his family. I mean, that was terrible. He wasn't even charged with anything. There was nothing. He was just waiting for a court date for what? And they got lost in the system. It was in Rikers Island. Like, who does that? New York. But, I mean, you know, do we really want to, the question I have to the state of Florida and to the, the justice system here in Hillsborough County, is do we really want to be like that? Do we really want to have that kind of thing on our, that albatross on our back? That's not a, a good thing, right? Um, and there are a lot of families that are waiting for their loved ones to come home or to get a trial, at least, so that they can, you know, so they'll know at least what their fate is going to be or what to expect, right? Um, that's 
hard. That's very hard on families. Um, so you know, we, well, I tell you what we're gonna do. So we're gonna do. Yeah, we're we going to we're going to take these calls right now, right. and see what they're talking about. Okay, caller, you're on the Sunday Forum. Good morning, um, Mr. Miko. Good morning, Hi, Walter. Hey, man, what's going on, dear? Hey, um, good morning, Miss Lynette. Good morning. Um, now, I hope this would fall into your bailiwick. Uh, I believe it would because you just said something about that about the cases that you would. Would, would be dealing with. Um, Tampa City Council just recently held uh, a forum with people concerned about rent control. And everybody knows, and Walter's talked about this, rent is ridiculously high here in Tampa and in the state of Florida, period. Um, with some people were saying that it needs to be controlled. With one lady, she was crying, talking about she moved down here and she didn't expect to be trying to fight to keep her head above water um, to, to pay her rent supposed to be her sunset, you know, years. Uh, then you had some people coming saying that rent control would be bad for the economy. Yeah, really? How, what economy would it be bad for? Um, rent would be bad, you know, rent control would be bad for the economy. Um, I guess what I'm saying, and I hope that would not hurt your chances, what is your opinion on that? What is your opinion uh, con concerning that? Uh, that that that's my, my my question. Thank you very much. So that's a hot topic issue, um, unfortunately. And I was talking to Walter about this earlier. Um, I am restricted, and a lot of the things that I can and cannot say as judges and as judicial candidates. We cannot give opinions as to things that may potentially come into the court system. And, you know, there are already lawsuits out there about rent control and rent stabilization and things of that nature. So I don't want to necessarily answer that specific question as to my opinion. However, what I can tell you is that um, I've been in this community, right? I... I'm familiar with the work that Florida Rising is doing. I'm familiar with all of the concerns. A lot of these are the same concerns that people close to me are dealing with. So I'm intimately familiar with this thing and with this issue. And I think that that's important for someone who's familiar with this issue and familiar with the resources that are available and everything that's out there. I think that that familiarity would serve as well on the bench. But unfortunately, since it's something that might become before me, um, pursuant to Judicial Canon 7, I cannot answer that or give an opinion. Judicial races are supposed to be apolitical. So we can't really talk about any political issues. <laughs> we're not the fun race. We're not the sexy race. So I really apologize for that. But I unfortunately cannot answer that question. That's, that, you know what? And that's, that's the way it goes. Right. Literally, I mean, you know, but we, but we can, we can find out more about um, uh, what you've been doing, right? right? Regarding these things. Um, so let's go to our next caller. Okay, caller, you're on the Sunday Forum. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. This is Simon from Lakeland. Simon, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, you know, I understand the authenticity of having a lived experience. But I wanted to ask the judge, in a family uh, court system, is there a scale system if the judge was presented with a case of adoption where there was a black child and a white family wanted to adopt the child that was very affluent, and a black family wanted to adopt the child, which would have the child experience the black culture. As a judge, are there a scale system, and do you think that a black child should be adopted more so by a black family 
than an affluent white family? That's a great question. I actually started my career off in child welfare. So I handled things like adoptions. I represented the state of Florida. I've terminated parental rights and gone to those adoption hearings afterwards. So the judges, they have a certain set of standards that they can comply with in determining where this child is going to be placed for an adoption and who's going to adopt that child. And that overarching concern is the best interest of the child. And you may have heard that before, but that's what the judges are looking for. They're looking for what would be in the best interest of the child. I believe that cultural competency is extremely important, not just cultural sensitivity, right? But beyond that, you need to do something more than just being culturally sensitive, especially when you're looking at at those cross-cultural adoptions. Um, So those are all things that you know, you're looking at the best interest of the child. So whenever you're looking at that, you're looking at what's going to be the best place for this child to grow and to flourish and to be a contributing member of society. How is that weighed with regard to the authenticity of the black experience? And also, when you say interest Mm -hmm. of the child, uh, we're not very good at fortune tellers. And, and one would think that we're living in an age of beyond opportunities, one is also looking at results. One would think that the scale that would be weighted more so would be the affluence and the opportunities, which would then direct into results. Personally, my opinion, I think a black child should be adopted by a black family. Any response to that? Do you agree with that, disagree with that, or are you able to say? I can't really, you know, comment on that other than what my prior comment was about the best interest of the child. You know, I've seen, having worked in that system, right? So I've seen... um, I've seen children flourish across cultures, so I don't think that it's something that can't happen. Um, especially culture, especially if their adoptive person nourishes that side of them and actually takes the chance, takes the time to actually learn about those cultural experiences. So I don't think that um, there's anything in the statute that says that you have to cut something off if it's not necessarily perfect, but this is this is something that can that our community actually needs to look at a little bit more because there are so many children languishing in foster care and they need loving homes to go to. So if that loving home looks like them, great. If it doesn't, great. As long as that child's going to be loved and it's in the best interest of that child. So I think that we have to look at it from a greater perspective, but I would encourage our community to get more involved in child welfare issues because we can't place these children in the places that would align with your opinion if we're not out there and if we're not seeking that opportunity. So get involved, become a foster parent, become, you know, if if one of your family members is in there, become a relative caregiver, become a non-relative caregiver, get involved in the system so that there's more people who look like our community who are actually making these decisions. Become a volunteer guardian at Lightum because you're the ones who get to decide and get to make the argument as to what's in the best interest of this child. So I'd encourage the community to get more involved because if there's nowhere there to place them, then that's a, that's a big problem and that's a huge problem that we're facing in the child welfare system. I thank you for your time. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We are lighting up the phone, so we'll go yeah, to the next. Okay, caller, you're you're on the Sunday forum. <laughs> Hey, good morning. Very good morning to everybody. Good morning. Here. Hey, Ron. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Especially good morning to you for having this. Thank um, you, brother. Yeah, I <laughs> have some comments because I've been a political activist uh, at uh, what they call it ad hoc. I kind of was thrown into it because of my situation. I grew up in East Tampa, of Thirty Fourth Street, Hillsborough. She probably know about that area. The the young lady there, and I have two concerns. Uh, one, when I grew up, they had people that was in the community 
that look like you and act like you and actually had jobs as, you know, police and stuff. And they looked out for our interests for real, though. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. And it's not anything at her because I think a lot of times we miss this because we go through our lives and we gain what we gain and we don't look back at the people that's coming through the struggle. And a lot of people they put in place, and I had personal experience, especially with the federal court system. I tell you, the judge named Judge Mary, they used to throw every case I put out before him just to do it because he had power. He didn't care about my color. He didn't care about my condition. He didn't care about nothing because he never read what I wrote. Now, I'm just saying that to you. They say I went way to Washington, D.C. to the Southern District Court and won a case for myself. I had to wow. fight all the way up there. And uh, I they're not from Florida. They don't know me. They might could look and see that I was African-American or whatever, or African, whatever they want to call me. I have no problem with that. I don't believe in titles and labels. But the thing I'm here to say is that we need more concerned people. Andrew Warren is an example of that. He's not an African-American. He's doing the right thing. We need people to do the right thing now. And by saying that, that leads me to my preface. I was watching something the other day on TV, and uh, it was about history of the Romans. And there was this guy named Caligula. I know Walt know what I'm talking about. Oh, so, yeah. Caligula was a devil. Yeah, he said he for thirteen hundred days he raised hell. He tried to destroy the wrong. He wanted people to bow down and worship him as though he was a real god. Do that resemble something in our state right now? Mm -hmm. Does that resemble something in our country right now? I mean Caligula was backwards. Caligula was three fifths of a human being to me. Not wow. African American. Caligula was a three fifths of a human being right. because of his ideals. And so we got that in this earth right now. We got that Caligula mentality. Caligula wanted to hurt everything. It didn't agree with him. He wanted to overthrow everything. He even stood before statues, and when they bowed down to the statue, they would bow down to him. Does that sound like somebody <laughs> we know? <laughs> so we we have to get Caligula out of here. I don't advise the way Caligula had to go. They stabbed Caligula up his own uncle. See what I'm saying? So I, I do studies and, and research on my own to enlighten myself so I can enlighten others. But what we really need to do is take care of our business. It's been so long that we have not, and we're afraid to do it for whatever reason. Caligula will get you if you don't do what he wants you to do. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Caligula is going to destroy your little career and your livelihood because you're not going to bow down and say he is God for real. He is not God. I, I'm hating to tell y'all, a man is not God that we should fear him. Okay, mm. and 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 that's really all Ron has to put on it because I've seen all this before and I don't want to see it again. Uh, education is a beautiful thing, but I had to tell my son. My son said, "Daddy, you got a great brain. I can't do what you do." And Walt, you might could understand this, and you might have to fight this fight too, or any other African American man. I say two other things. Number go, and he's your brain is like this, Dad, and you can get the education. You can do. I said, son. Let me tell you something. My dad had a sixth grade education. Ain't no way I was smarter than that man. I swear to you. But what he taught me, what he put in me, and for not only that, he could live off the land. You know how to clean any animal, eat it, prepare it. I can't do that. We're going to die. Like I told him, we would die. <laughs> we would be dead like a mother. Because we forgot where we came from for real, though. See? And, it, it, and we standing on the shoulders of, of, of giants, man, for real. And, and, and one thing that I'm going to leave here is this here. We allow people to come in like that guy that just called, and he want to throw some old junk out there about somebody else raising our kids. Why the heck we can't raise our kids? Why the, can't, why the heck you can't leave our families alone? We was never supposed to be married. I heard two things. Lawyers love. Uh, I was going to school for all that. I don't have any desire for any of that anymore, but uh, 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 lawyers love two things about black people, they say. One is divorces. Number two is child support. Where that come from? Slavery. So we've never got over that. That's what my point is. And we've never conquered that stuff. And even when we have judges, they don't look at that. And, and we have been damaged psychologically and sociologically so long, nobody wants to address that. It's going to cause the hate we see. It's going to cause the violence in our community. It's going to cause the disregard for each other. That's going. That's psychological. It's been done. You, how are we going to undo it by talking and putting pressure, giving them 30 years and more years and all that back there? That's nothing but a game to me. That's not reality. And so the first thing is, 
stop breaking up families. Number one, uno. Stop telling a woman she could raise children. And I'm not saying that like this. I'm not hitting on anybody. I'm just letting you know I see through this mess. It's like an encouragement for, for women to, to raise children yeah, by themselves exactly. instead yeah, of having yeah, a family. Yeah, you don't need him. That all the way from slavery. You don't need him. I'm going to take him and make him breed with other women. I heard this on a movie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you and breed you with other women. This guy, I forget the movie. I was asking my old lady about it last night, but it's just on point. Uh, they got these, these two people were slaves, and they got married, and they didn't let the slave master know, so they were sneaking around, you know, being married. So he came in one day, which he knew because he was going with the man's wife. He was going with the man's wife, and the man couldn't do nothing. Then he came and told the man, finally, look, I'm going to take you, and I'm sending you to this other farm. He's like, what? I don't want to go up there. He said, you're going to do what I told you. He said, you're going to go up there and mate with all them uh, heifers, and you're going to make me some babies so they'll take care of me and my family. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Really? Does that sound familiar to you? This hmm. is where we're at. We're not, we not in the 21st century. We're still going backwards. We're in the backwoods. With these people that are doing backwood deals and all that, man. That stuff is apropos. Let me just say it like that or something. And, and I leave it like that because our conversation needs to be about, like you also said, strengthening, reinforcing the things we really need, not what their ideals are. Their ideals have wound us up where we at. We're we the butt of their jokes. We're the butt of their democracy. We're the butt of everything. Our blood is running in the streets. Our blood is on their hands, and they know this. And I'm not blaming anybody, but you wake up. If you don't want to be blamed, don't play part in it. Don't come playing with me. Don't play with us. Okay? And that's my take on it all. And I leave it like that, and I hope everybody have a good day. And look into the things that really affecting us, not just superficial. Of course, we don't have housing. That uh, You took all the men out of the community. You destroyed our communities. They can't. I saw a guy on TV. He bought up St. Pete. He's an African American. So I'm buying up the property. I'm putting it, making it. Why we can't do that? Why we can't? You can't let us do what we're supposed to do. And then you turn around and say, "This is who we are." No, that's not who we are. That's who you made us out to be. Whoever you are, whoever you are. Okay. Amen. So, yeah. Hey, I thank, thank you very much for this opportunity and, and blessings to y'all. And keep doing what you're doing. Just keep. Uh, your consciousness up and, and see what it is for real. Don't let these people blindside us anymore. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate you. Right. We got uh, two minutes before NPR. Is that correct? Uh, no, more than that because um, 9.01 is when it comes on. Okay. All right. Um, oh, the other call is out. Yeah. So, <laughs> if that's the case... So, any so comments? Gonna, any comments? <laughs> if you have no comments... The closing statement? No, no, no. No, no, no. The Well, I think he raised a lot of great issues, especially not feeling heard in court. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm running, because I everyone needs to feel like they're heard and that they're respected in court. Everyone. Mm-hmm. You need to go in and know that I'm going to get my fair shake. She's going to listen to me. She's going to read all of the things that I write and that I submit to the court, and I will definitely do that. So, you know, that's something that I can sit here and promise. That's something that I've done already in my role as a hearing officer, making sure that I'm prepared, but also making sure that I'm listening. So even in the cases where we might not agree with you or we might rule against you, which I've had to do as a hearing officer, the litigants, they came up to me afterwards, and they still thanked me because they knew that they got a fair shake. They got a fair shot. So that's what I'm looking to bring to the bench, and that's something that really stood out um, and something that we hear a lot in our community. We're not being listened to. We're not being heard. We're not being respected.